What up, ladies and gentlemen? This is your boy, Lewis Mercedes, and welcome to another edition of Hashtag Let Me Just Say This. I have a special guest with me, my homeboy from back in the Purchase College days, Carlos Salcedo. And we're going to be talking about music, 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 digital trends, what the differences between music consumption of the 21st century as opposed to the 90s and the 80s and all that good stuff. What up, Carlos? What's good, Lou? Yo. The one of the few people that get my last well, you know, we're, we're both Dominican, you know, I'm from the Bronx, yeah, you're from yeah. the Bronx. I've heard, I've heard uh, South Toledo, South Toledo Turkey, South Tito, like, I've heard it all, man. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. You know the machine is always going to butcher those kinds of names. Yeah, nah, for real, for real, man. What's good, though, man? You know what? Life, life is, uh, it's pretty eventful these days. How about you? Ah, uh, good, man. Just, uh... Grinding every day, just trying to stay fit. Uh, I actually was just thinking about you with, with the film stuff because I'm watching Layer Cake. They just added Layer Cake to Netflix. And I forgot how fire this thing is. Daniel Craig Film Control. You know, I have a confession to make. I've never seen Layer Cake. What? It's definitely a movie that'll be up your alley, bro. I, I, I'm surprised. Oh, I know. It, it's one of those movies that's eluded me over the past couple of years. I, I've always wanted to get around to watching have it. To but see it man. Netflix has Apparently, it. Now. This is a movie that made him like made him like ready in front of the director's eyes to be Bond like they saw this movie and they were like yeah let's, let's cast him as Bond ready. yeah I read that around the time they, they cast him for Casino Royale it was always came up in conversation like oh it, it made MGM consider like oh yeah Daniel Craig he's the next Bond for sure yeah man yeah he killed this one, man. that's what's up I gotta case i have a lot like as some of my viewers already know because i did recent whether i should cancel netflix or not mm. yeah so maybe we could touch on that and have some banter about that in the future but today yeah definitely man today for this episode specifically music the thing that we love mm-hmm. the most let me tell you something music gets me through the tough you know, I say it's been in a couple of months because, you know, there's been some ups and downs, you know, lots of personal things I'm not going to get into, but music and pro wrestling, that's, those are things that have always been there for me. Now, definitely, definitely. i to reflect on music being there for me from our childhoods. So the first album that I want to talk about, why well, I talk about and let's because Eminem's debut studio just recently turned when mm-hmm. released on February 23rd, 1999. And the other album I wanted to focus on for a bit was Kanye West, The College Dropout, which dropped on February 10th, 2004. So that just turned 15. Um, let's just talk about some reflections on both of these LPs. Now, Eminem and Kanye West are obviously vastly different from one another in terms of musical styles, production choices, songwriting, black and white. You right. know, you can't literally. really compare the two. <laughs> literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, literally. Um, but there's just something about these two specific albums and their discographies that you knew that they were going to be something special. 
they were gonna have that longevity and that iconic status. With the Slim Shady LP, when that first came out, I thought this was just some crazy white boy that's trying to appropriate quote unquote black culture. And you know, we're we're in like what elementary school, middle school when this came out. So hip hop is like really thriving, especially East Coast hip hop, because we're we're fresh off of 1998, which we did an episode on uh, about a year ago. And that's right. That's right. Yeah, how amazing of a year that was. So this this white boy Eminem just comes out of nowhere, and you know, it's quick to dismiss him as like another. Beastie Boy, Marky Mark, Vanilla Ice kind of kind of rapper. Even though it's very gimmicky, especially with My Name Is, because that's the mm-hmm. that was the single that put him put him on the map. And you know, the video is like really funny, it's comical. It's not what most hip hop heads would consider hip hop in the purest form, but the the lyrical cadence is there. That's what I'm saying. I've always that I, I sat back and listened to that record the other day, and I was like, like the production it was just like, all right, this, this production is outdated. Like this is just like a chopped up, whatever. But and like the content is definitely like you know it's pop, it's pop, is everything's like pop related as far as like popular culture. But the flow on that beat, that that flow on that slow ass beat is insane. Like. The wordplay is insane. Hi, kids. Do you like Primus? Like, and like him doing stuff with his voice and stuff is fucking crazy, man. Like, I, you could you can't deny his genius. Like, content or not, like what he was what he was doing with it was with the flow is just like wow, like wow. Eminem was rapping like this on this beat. This is crazy. Yeah, and it's funny how you mentioned that because all the kids at school were, we would always like just sing and recite that song, especially the first verse. And it was like some of the most comical shit that was out. But when you actually sit down and listen to the album, especially as like a young 10 or 11 year old, you're like, what is this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is going on? What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's like he literally turned everybody's expectations of what rap music is supposed to be and completely subverted them. Mm-hmm. That's exactly That's- what he did with the Slim Shady LP because it's violent, it's raunchy, it's controversial. But it's lyrical as fuck. I mean, mm-hmm. everything, the way he's just putting his rhyme schemes together is just out of this world. And the production is like really gritty. It's dark. And it's, because, mm-hmm. you know, it still gives you that like underground feel. And you, you kind of already knew at that point, like, yeah, this album is something special, but Eminem himself is going to be something special. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, so the units that the Slim GLP pushed in 1999 were, they were justified. I mean, it, it sold $3 million by the end of the year. Mm. And um, it went on to win the Grammy for Best Rap Album. You know, that's subjective. But it was, he, he came in and, and stomped the mud hole in the rap game at the time. He was like, yeah, I'm going to be noticed. I'm not just some typical white boy. I like that no one sounded like him. Like, nobody... Nobody sounded like him. Nobody was rapping like him. You know, I mean, as far as like uh, some of the darker content, you could always bring it back to like horrorcore, mm-hmm. and that's where Odd Future gets their stuff from a lot. Which Odd Future is definitely a direct spawn. Well, more like Tyler, but his early stuff is definitely a direct spawn of Eminem and, and all the wild stuff that was, like Eminem made it popular. But Eminem definitely got his influence from like that horrorcore, that real a uh, 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 violent hip hop. 
that they that was uh, going on in in I believe in the early nineties. If you listen to Big O's first album, which you've heard, of course, Lights Out of the Point Dangerous, he has songs like The Devil's Son. You know, obviously he know we know he's not the devil's son, but the content is just like shock value rap, which is definitely what M was trying to do and stuff. So it's but like at that time nobody sounded like that. And especially coming from a white rapper. Who we used to when we were growing up? Somebody that was around when we were little, 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 little kids was like uh, uh, Rob Bass, right? The guy. That, what's the guy's name that discovered um, Nas? Um, MC Search. MC Search. So, it, what was the name of his group he was in? Bass. Third bass. Third bass. And they weren't they white rappers? That's that. Oh, he was, yeah. he was a white rapper, right? Um, yeah. Uh, what's these guys? Uh, the guys that did jump around. Oh, that was their only hit, but uh, um, who was that? Crisscross? No, Crisscross is not. <laughs> Crisscross is black, bro. <laughs> no, jump around. The Irish guys from Boston. Who knows, man? I forgot. Oh name. man, you know what? I I don't know. Rex and the I don't know, man. Nah, not Rex and Effect. <laughs> they weren't right white either. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, oh, I'm drawing a blank on my hip hop history. House Shame of Pain. House, House of Pain. pain. House of Pain, jump around. Those are my guys. Listen, Definitely man. I, some white I, boys. Listen. <laughs> Come on, nobody knows them for their album. Yeah, for real. For real. Yeah, and it's interesting I a rapper because this is coming off of DMX's uh, banner year as well. Nothing short of horrorcore. I mean, he was a gangster rapper, but, you know, his themes were also along those lines. Like, I, w- I was revisiting uh, those first two albums last month. and mm. Still good. Is- of course. Yeah, of course. Th- those, those, those fucking records. Hold- um, yeah. And I come across X is Coming. And in one of the verses, this, this shit would apply today. But he goes, if you got a, a daughter older than 15, I'm a raper. And yeah, it's like... Yeah. What? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> that Eminem was rapping about throughout his whole entire album. Yeah, yeah. There's another line uh, I think Eminem said... He, oh, no, not Eminem. Uh, DMX said, he said, uh, if, and if I get AIDS, then I'm going to start raping bitches. I was like, whoa, whoa! What's going on here? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Big L, Big L. Right, right, right. No, nah, but I think you know what, you know said what? a line like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm so... like that, but it wasn't on that album. It was on Murdergram. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And if I get AIDS, then I'm giving this shit to 30 bitches, some shit like yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, people were so taking chances this... in the 90s, bro. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely... You could get a lot away with a lot more, which we'll get into with regards to how these these helped up. Now let's fast forward when we talk game changer. When Kanye West came out with college dropout, one was well not that many people weren't as good. It, it didn't. It was better than it had any right to be. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that it's very substantial and the message is very deep. So it's through and through, this is a Rockefeller album. This is like at the tail end of that, that, the, that golden era. But 
this is an album where he has a lot to say about society's perception of people that come from the well, people that graduate college or have college right. degrees or finish school in general. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really have to go to school or be successful in life. That was his. The, the, the shit that was selling around that time, this is coming off of 2003, where 50 Cent, Dipset, G-Unit, D-Block, that kind of stuff was hot. Like, real gangster yeah, shit. Yeah, that was, that you know, gangster kind of, shit, drug dealer music, like, that. that's what that's all it was out right now. Yeah, and when College Dropout came out, it was a real breath of fresh air. Because he would put together lyrics and have... Oh, they were they're real eye opening. Like, yo, this dude can actually rap for a producer because at the time he was just considered a producer that can rap. Obviously, mm-hmm. he transcended that because this was. 50. But at the time, again, this was dude that made beats, Jay's and company. off of it, yada yada. Now he's like coming to into his own as actual artist. One of the most mind blowing songs on this LP is the last call. Yeah song with two three verses but on a storytelling like the last seven minutes of the song so the track ends up becoming 10 minutes but he's giving a narrative of how he first got in the game mentors were such as no idea how he went on tour with i think it was to live quality and mm-hmm. and then now every how everything came full circle uh capital records uh, they pulled from that uh they were supposed to offer him and college dropout overall was just a real game changer because you can see the level of influence a year later, two years later, where it was okay to not be against. Be a, a yeah, quote I mean, unquote, you know, I don't want to credit him for that, but like, I, I, I actually, I kind of want to credit him from that. And I kind of do, but in the middle of that era where everybody was just talking about, like you're saying, Dipset, D Block, Rockefeller, everything was. Uh, uh, the bling era stuff and the glitz and the glam, the drug dealer stuff, the gangster stuff. Kanye came with a conscious thing, and I could you could wear pink polos and you could dress well, your clothes could be fitted. And an era where everybody's wearing baggy clothes, it's like, damn, Kanye made it cool. I bought a freaking book bag and walked around with a book bag all day in school when I could have just put it down because I thought it looked cool. You know, I wore polos because of that. So, uh, we all wore polos when we were kids, but. Kanye made it cool to like, oh yo, I got this Ralph on in in the, I got this Latigre in the, in the closet over there. Let me throw it on real quick and see how this look again, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the genius of Last Call, man. I'm so happy you brought that up. I thought he was gonna bring up Jesus Walks, but Last Call, man. That like, I feel like he should have saved that song for like his last album. Thinking about it now, like it was such a, it's so ahead. I've never heard nothing like that before, like. And my, my crazy ass when I was young, I used to sit and listen to his whole story, even though I had heard it a million times. I was like, oh, I, I want to hear it again because it was so refreshing. Oh, yeah, me too. They're like, it was so yeah, different, too. man. I was like, yo, what is this? Hearing Jay-Z come out of character. Because, uh, you know, back then, even in interviews, they weren't really revealing too much of their of their personality. Hearing Jay-Z clown around, say, fuck you, Kanye, first and foremost. Like, I was like, yo, this is crazy. <laughs> like, I'm hearing... This this serious ass rapper laugh at Kanye for doing an interlude right now. Like this is wild, man. But that that I feel like that album more than ever could stand the test of time now because of like especially you you, you could definitely relate because you work in education. 
like uh you know it, people in the education field know how post secondary and college and like going to the next level as far as education goes is really pushed upon like they really push teachers and administration to really like you know teach kids like hey you need to go to college so that album's always going to be timeless because that's that's always going to be something they push upon us like hey you got to go to college and then you get a job and you know, even even then, before it was like get your bachelor's, and the master's was like oh overachieving. Now you have to get your master's just to freaking have a decent job and shit, you know. So yeah, no, those those are great points, and you know, it it, it went on to have hugely successful singles. It, I think it sold, uh, it went triple platinum around the time of its release, mm-hmm. um, and it went on to win the Grammy for best rap album as well, right. And it just it just goes to show you that we're in where we don't get too many records like that because of the fact that there's so much material out now. Um, how do you think this in the college dropout albums would be received today in 2019? Well, I was going to ask you, do you think uh, just to like touch upon college dropout real quick, do you think? Cause no, what Kanye he didn't revolutionize the world as far as like the content. People were like, uh, besides the college thing, people were doing conscious raps. But I feel like he made conscious rap popular. Do you think? Right. You think? Do you think that's a true statement? Like, cause she, should he be credited for making it a popular genre, part of popular genres and stuff? Like, what do you think about that? Cause this, I mean, I know you could go off and on about most stuff, Talib Kweli and, and Common. Like there was, there was. A lot of dudes doing it before him. I was saying that uh, uh, we could credit Kanye when making it popular, but there's de- there was definitely guys like Talib Kweli, Common, and, and most stuff that were doing it before him. Way better. I mean, I still, I still always, I'm always shocked that Common has been around for so long, man. He's literally like on the cusp for '89 to like '92, like right there, like. He was out with Nas and Big were around, so, but he was definitely, he never was talking about shooting guns, he was always talking about, you know, uh, uh, bringing minorities to the forefront and pushing that kind of culture forward in front of the white man and just like, all this conscious shit, but Kanye definitely made it popular, but should he be credited and like, just like, holding the genre on his back like that with conscious back? From my personal perspective, I was never really into conscious rap because that's not how how I was introduced to hip hop. I was introduced, right. introduced to hip hop on the bling bling stuff, the gangster stuff, the drug dealer stuff. The yeah, you're from the Bronx, like that's we saw, right. We, we related to what was around us, you know. So. Right. No, nobody, nobody was was driving their cars bumping common and, yeah. and, <laughs> and wearing wearing dashikis and kufis uh, and stuff. You know, nobody was doing that. Yeah, at least at least not during the late '90s. So. Um, I would. I had heard of Common. I was familiar with Common and Most Def and guys like that. But it wasn't until I listened to the College Dropout where I realized just how nice these dudes were, and they introduced me to a whole other subgenre. Uh, well, I should say this album introduced me to a whole other subgenre of rap music. So for for me personally, I would credit him with bringing conscious rap and backpacker rap to. A more commercially viable, uh, I guess, a more commercially viable plateau. Yeah, he definitely brought it to the forefront, and, 
and made it popular. I just like, I don't know, like the, like us being older, like I always try to like pay respect. We're, we're from the era where we pay respect to the people that came before us. So I always like, dang, do I want to give Kanye all that credit? But man, he made it popular, man. He made it popular. I can't lie. I can't even lie. I can't even lie about that. Nah, he definitely did. I mean, I'll be honest with you, if it wasn't for Kanye West playing a part in Common's resurgence, I probably wouldn't have became a Common fan. Yeah, I actually, remember that verse? Remember that verse that everybody was going crazy about? Like, yo, yeah, yeah how Common was rapping? I'm like, huh? And then I did my research and I was like, oh, wow. I did not know who Common was. You know? Crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the same thing with most Dev, too. And I started discovering that. Uh, that kind of music and you know the shit with the roots and Black Thought. Oh my God, I was so late on Black Thought. It was scary, so scary. I'm so how late I was. Even with uh, even with um, they did it for themselves. But uh, even with a group like Outkast, where Outkast, it wasn't so late when the singles were like, I was like, yo, so you guys are kind of rapping on these little happy-go-lucky sounding songs, these weird beats. Let me do some research, and I went back, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, these, these guys are, are, are nice. They're really, really nice. So, I don't know. I guess it took, like, them making some type of popular music, Kanye making some type of popular music that had a message in it for the genre could just explode, and everybody being like, hey, these guys have been around for a long time already. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Now, let's, let's, let's think about the album itself. Would right. you think that the album would actually be successful in today's era? Hell yeah, man. I mean, man, when Kanye came out, all the old heads and the hardcore dudes thought he was gay. Like, he's rocking pink polos and all this other shit. Like, Cam hadn't made it cool yet like that, like that. I think he had just made it cool. But Cam was like a freaking gangster. Like, no, who's going to tell Cam, yo, it's gay to wear pink? But like, (laughs) you know, and and like Kanye being metrosexual, Kanye talking about clothes, uh, high fashion the way he was, Louis, they calling himself the Louis Vuitton Don, like, uh, 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 those brands were always uh, um, fa- um, like as far as like uh, they were always like seen as uh, these luxury brands to wear in hip hop like as far as like you gotta rock your Gucci with your Rolex or whatever but Kanye was talking about them on some like yeah I'm, I'm going to the Louis store and I'm talking to the designer like the tip he was on on that album was just like wow so I really think it, w- it was standing the test of time because a lot of the stuff he was doing as far as pushing fashion forward and and um, I guess the content based upon the climate of today, that album still stands, man. Still stands with all with everybody being woke, quote unquote, uh, Me Too movement, women's rights. Like that album touched upon a lot of different things. Listening to Spaceship, like crazy. Oh, what? Like what? It's nuts in that shit, man. Or uh, Jesus Walks. Um. You know, never let me down. down, you know, talking about his struggle on that shit. Like, it's crazy, man. So I think the album, if he put it out now, he'll be looked at as, it'll be another, you know, great selling album. Now, I don't think it would sell records because nobody buying records. I know we're going to talk about that later, but it would definitely be critically successful. I think at least. Yeah, I I still think it would be well received. And you know what? That's a testament to how timeless and how much of a classic debut it is. Mm-hmm, you know, definitely, definitely. The fact that we could talk about it 15 years and reflect on it and still be like, yo, you know what? A lot of this stuff is still relevant and prevalent today. And now, then what's wild is, though, it's, co- it's content-driven, though. Like, as far... I mean, a lot of that stuff is personal stories because now you got me thinking really hard because it's like a debut, right? A debut that stands test test of time. Um, A lot of the stuff he's talking about 
can be it, it's a cycle as far as like racism and 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 education in America and stuff. But then you think about albums like Illmatic, Reasonable Doubt, um, Ready to Die. It's just them telling their stories, and for some reason, it still could be played today. None of that stuff is them talking about you know whatever whatever riots were going on or the crime going on at that time or current events of that time like Kanye's is. Kanye just I feel like got lucky with the stuff he was talking about because it's still gonna keep going on and going on. But like when you listen to an album like Illmatic, he's just nice. The beats are fire. Like it's nothing like you're getting from like damn. I remember in ninety ninety two when this and this happened. You know like. I don't know. You hear where I'm coming from? I'm trying to put it together right. You see what I'm saying, though? <laughs> no, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, albums like Ready to Die, Illmatic, you know, Reasonable Doubt, all those classic debuts, even Doggy Style. I oh, think, Doggy Style. Damn, man. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. I think those those are always going to be considered timeless classics because of the fact that it was a, a much different era. And it was an era where everybody had something to say, despite the fact that the content was very similar because mm-hmm. it was all within the confines of gangster rap, but they all had a different narrative within mm-hmm. their personal environments with different types of production. Now it's the same thing with college dropout. College dropout is obviously a more social political album in that context, but he's still, he's still telling his own narrative. You know, he's yeah, not trying, true. he's not trying to sell you on the narrative that, he was a gangster rapper and sold drugs in front of the project in the South Side of Chicago. He's just trying to tell you how he came up and how he was perceived as a, a black male, uh, you know, uh, in, 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 in America in, in, uh, in the 20th century, going into the 21st century. So it's his perspective. And let's go back to the Slim Shady LP. Oh yeah, that, we got to talk about it, man. Oof. Oh. That that's all Eminem's perspective. You know what I mean? That's true. It's true. Uh, and uh, uh, hey, Eminem, Eminem the... was a poor. He he grew up in poverty, and yeah, he yeah. was he was all he was depressed. He was dead broke. He didn't have a penny to his name. He had a baby daughter. Had a obviously a very, <laughs> very violent, very unique relationship with with uh, mom, right? his, his baby moms. Oh, oh baby and mom, his right? mom too. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he obviously had a lot to say, but he didn't. He didn't tell. He didn't tell us his story in a conventional sense. Yeah, so not in a traditional way at all. Right. right yeah, right. I don't think the Slim Shady LP would fly content-wise. It would not oh. fly at all in 2019. Not at all. They kill but, that shit, man. They'd kill it. They'd kill it. Right, but it's that album still holds up because it was. It's still sounds fresh you know what i mean it sounds like it's out of left field and it's just so lyrical and so raw that you you cannot press play you know what i mean yeah, i mean we're listening to it for different things now now that we're older like you know what got us before was we we didn't know that the flow was getting us before but what yeah. got us before when we heard it was yo you hear this, this crazy shit he's saying like this is a different perspective on poverty like i've never heard a white boy talking about being white trash i've never heard a dude talking about killing somebody like that and like you know uh like it, it was just a different different way of hearing things and it was just like a shock value to like holy shit you know yeah. him getting that gaze and stuff like that and just saying wild 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 things so i don't think it would fly cuz people are too way too sensitive now you know and yeah. that's not to take anything from anybody but it's just like 
Um, I remember playing that album, playing the first album, the second album for my uncle, and him just getting a like him getting a ball out of it, cracking up, and him <laughs> understanding that like yo, I know the guy doesn't want to kill his mother. I know he's not trying to rape a gay guy in the corner. Like he's like, I know it's just like to, for entertainment. He's just trying to he's making us laugh and making us say ooh and ah, you know. But like today, man, shit, Eminem would be crucified if he put that on like, today. <laughs> like it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, you you said it best. He would definitely be crucified for all of those saying oh the, the misogynistic God. lyrics. Like, no. oh my! And he, caught, and he caught. He, I knew he saw it coming from. I'm, I mean, I knew he he was getting he was under heat, and I knew he saw it coming that it could only be worse. And then he did that duet with Elton John and shit, and I kind of like yeah. bought him some. You know, that shot him some bail a little bit. That bought him some some points and stuff. But uh, I I knew he knew that people were getting sensitive as he got older and stuff. I mean, I like how he, he uh, evolved as far as, like, you know, talking about drug use and stuff later and just talking about depression. Eminem was talking about depression before it was popular. But, um... Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that like like you said, man, that album would definitely not fly. Like, there's too many people that would be offended. There's so many groups now that would be offended. It reminds me of, uh, of comedy, which is, like, a debate I've been having with people because, um... So a comedian was making a point that people are too sensitive now. It's really hard to be a comedian. But then Deezus and Mero says something about uh, them just like doing jokes but not trying to overly offend some people. I, I forgot what was the quote, but it was like answered perfectly where it was like they asked him, like, hey, do you think it's hard to be a comedian now with so many people being so sensitive? And it's like, man, don't go out of your way to offend people. Just, you know, be funny. Uh, which is easier said than done, but you know, whatever. Um, but I don't know, man. You think M album was that? Is that is still the test of time? That album in particular, I st- I think Eminem, I think the Marshall Mathers LP definitely stands the test of time because that's the album. But you think the first oh. album's still good? Yeah, you know what? I would say those first three albums. Those first three albums are pretty much untouchable because you can you can. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an Eminem fan, but you ask most people that are into lyricism and into really, really polished music and good storytelling and songwriting. You can name any one of uh, Slim Shady LP, Marshmallows LP, and Eminem show. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, those still hold up incredibly well, especially the Eminem show. Yeah, Eminem show even, even more. You know, the beats got better and the content was uh, better. And I feel like it was just more organized, that album. Out of uh, all of them, I think. I, I mean, and I mean, second album a lot too. Like the way they 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 uh, tracked the albums, like what song went first, what song went third, fourth. It was like, yo, these guys are really fucking smart, man. Because the way Marshall Mathers LP uh, flowed, the way the Marshall Mathers LP flowed was just like, I could, I, I wouldn't even think to skip a track until like the eighth or tenth song or something like that, you know. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it's it's untouchable. But then when you have Dre, you're under yeah. Dre, Dr. Dre's wing. Dr. Dre is not a Joe Schmo. Like he knows how to put music together. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, he knows. That's that's what he's that's what he's legendary for. He knows how to he knows how to organize music, like you said. He mm-hmm. knows he's a maestro uh, essentially. You know, he's more than a beat maker. Like he knows how to arrange songs, um, and that's why. That that tandem of Eminem and Dr. Dre was just perfect. That's why yeah. I always say those first three albums. Are, are pretty much untouchable in M's discography.
for a fan. I mean, every artist goes through that where they have one or two bad albums and stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah. But them first three albums, man, he was just on. I don't know what 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 combination of drugs he was on, but <laughs> that shit was working, man. That shit was really working. Yeah, seriously. All right, man. Um, we're gonna take a quick pause to talk about some glasses by Warby Parker. So. We come back, we're going to actually start recounting our experiences of buying music and get into the resurgence of vinyls and cassette tapes. So stay. All right. I'm actually wearing some Warby Parkers right now. So shout out. to Ah, you. there you go. Stay tuned. So, Carlos, let me tell you something. Music consumption. Needless to say, has changed dramatically from when we were kids till now. We have seen, and this is us speaking now, imagine our parents and our grandparents, the evolution that they've seen. But we have seen so many changes as far as how people consume music over the past 25, 30 years that it's, it's mind-boggling to think that it's happened in just a short amount of time because we just entered our 30s and we've already consume music in like what four different platforms three or four different platforms yeah definitely three or four different platforms now for sure so the first thing I want to talk about with, with relation to music consumption is the first time I purchased the CD now this was back in 1997 yes I am a hip hop head but I didn't cop my first CD until I was 97, uh, 1997 because I was only nine years old you know? Of course, all of us were. Well, I mean, you and I were, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, the very first CD, CD that I purchased was Puff Daddy and the Family, No Way Out. Now, the funny story behind that is, if it wasn't for my mother, God bless my mother, I love you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for my my Dominican ass mom, I would have never even gotten into hip hop at that specific moment in time. So Why you say that? Because she bought the album for you. Yeah, listen, we go into the record store um, because prior to going into the record store, she was all, she kept on mentioning how she liked that song, I'll Be Missing You. I'm saying that song. We, we know what song we're talking about, but she would be like, oh, yeah, I like that song a lot. I, I'm going to buy the CD. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's funny. Yeah, so we walk up into the record store. I, I know the, the, the words record store is just like, it's kind of like anachronistic. It's just like mind-boggling just to say those words. Well, which record store? Which record store is this? this, this you paint the picture. This, this is um, man, I forgot what street, but it's like off of Fordham Road in the Bronx. Um, I can't, I couldn't even give you the name of it. Uh, they used to sell bootleg tapes, bootleg CDs, everything. So, um, we go up in there, and then my mom is like, "Oh, you had the CD that that had that song that say." Uh, Oh, every step I take. And she's just like singing it to the guy. That's crazy. Oh, no. Yes. This is crazy. You over there on the side like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, and I'm like, I'm just amazed because I'm like kind of embarrassed too because my mom is just like embarrassing herself. But then the dude is just like, oh, yeah, no, I got, I got that, mommy. I got it. And instead of selling us the single, because, you know, you can buy the singles back then, you know, just buy the CD with like the instrumental and the remix and shit. He gives exactly, us the whole exactly. fucking album. <laughs> and unbeknownst, he, he tried to get that sale. It went from four dollars to fifteen. Listen, and unbeknownst to my mom, she has the song and she has the full CD. But unbeknownst to my mom, it's a whole album of seventeen tracks, and that was the beginning of my 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 uh, 
my fandom as as a hip hop a hip hop fan. Damn, that's a great freaking album to start with. Yeah. Like, there's so many gems on that damn album. It's insane. That was the perfect introduction for me as a nine-year-old into rap music because it wasn't too hardcore. It was street, but it wasn't too hardcore. You had Biggie, who had just died, so there was leftover material on there. And the right, production right, right. was extremely polished. Extremely polished. Now, that album, uh, at first, I was just like, nah, this is just some of the, the beats a little commercial, and then it's just like... Once you really listen to it, especially now, when you listen to it now, there was some shit they was talking about on that yeah, album. Man. There's some there's some songs on that album that's like, oh shit, this is really, really good. Yeah, yeah. You can say whatever you want about it being pop and him jacking beats and that, that same old 80s. Yeah, who cares? That, that, that shit was crazy, man. That album, yeah, man. yeah, that album is fire. So, yeah, that's, that's my recollection of my first CD. How about you? Uh, my first CD... I bought with my money. Well, not with my money. They they gave me money, and I went to buy. We used to have this uh, rec, uh, record store, CD store. So tapes and CDs. Uh, it was called Frank and Richie. Used to be down the block on a the corner. There's like a there's a Jehovah's Witness church there now, and um, I would always go in there, like looking to see what CDs they had. They always had the hip hop all the way at the top, and they would have the tapes. In the glass, but it was like they sold more Spanish music, Latino music. They always sold that was their big thing, Latino music. Yeah. But they always had the CDs all the way at the top of uh, just picture CDs all around you, uh, above like the headspace of where the guy is standing in front of you, like in front of that, like okay. just all these CDs above him. So I go in there and um, I remember my cousin, I had a, a older cousin that was like my older brother, so he would buy DJ Clue tapes. And he was the one getting me to hip hop after my uncle. Like NWA was the first thing, and then my cousin took the the helms, and uh, you know it was like Mace, Locks, um, Young DMX, Hove, of course. But I could not get um, Mace and Cam out of my head. Like yo, I'm like yo, they from right there. So the first album I bought, thinking that a certain song was on it, until I found out it was a street signal single, was um, Confessions of Fire. Cam. Wow. And I bought it because I thought Pullet was gonna be on it with DMX. Wait, can I can I can I, I just stop you right there? I I yeah. bought the Confessions of Fire album uh, when that came out as well, and I thought Pullet was gonna be on there too. <laughs> yo, and I was I felt didn't you feel robbed? I was like, yo, I kept playing the album back and forth. I'm like, maybe they didn't <laughs> I couldn't find it. I'm like, yo, what is going on? And then my cousin like father lady, he's like, yo, that's only a mixtape joint. You can't get that. I'm like, yo. I'm so mad, yo. Like, I'm, I was so tight, man. I'm like, horse and carriage? That's all I get is horse and carriage? I don't get pull it? Hey, yeah, I, I like I the album. So the album was hot, though. But I, the album was hot. But I, I, yeah, I, nah, do, I, I do agree that pull it should have been on there. Yeah, man. And then the second album, I have to say it because it was in the same year or the year after it was, uh, actually, I might have him confused, was um, uh, Harlem World, Mace. Oh, yeah, that was 97. I bought that album as well. That baby blue cover. Yeah, I bought that baby blue cover. I had to, man. I was like, yeah, I got to get this album. Oh, yeah. Because he was just, uh, 24 Hours to Live was just killing it everywhere and feels so good. I was like, yo, I like this song. I like this video. I want to get this. So I bought that in that same place, too. And they were knocking me in the head, man. They saw me a mile away. They either charged me anywhere between $15 and $18, man. I was so wow. mad, bro. So mad. Imagine paying eighteen dollars for a CD right now. <laughs> what? This is insane. Yeah, that, that's funny with the Harlem World because that was actually my second album. 
That's the second season. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, man. That, that, oh. Those two albums, man, it was like, it was just it, just to hear people that are from the neighborhood, like, oh, Shay's from Harlem, from Harlem, whatever, like, it was pretty cool, you know? I mean, it, I, I know it's like the same thing with him, like, buying Pun's album, he's from the BX, like, yo, shit, he's from the BX, he's from a neighborhood, I, I, you probably you probably walked by Big Pun and never even knew it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and didn't know who he was and shit, so, um, yeah, but those experiences, man, like, going in on my own money and just, I mean, with the money they gave me and buying it and, like, you know, the guy looking at me and not asking for my ID because it was like, it was a lot, Dominican dude, he didn't care, you know? I didn't experience having to ask for an ID until, like, I went to, like, Virgin Megastore or Tower Records, like, yo, you have to be eight, you have to be 17 to buy this. Like, what? <laughs> Give me this album, man. What the fuck is wrong with you? Give me this <laughs> Yeah. Wow, man. See, these are some amazing stories because of the fact that we were so young, but going to the record store was, that was something special, man. Yo, it was fire, man. It was such a great experience. I want this. I want this. It was like being in a toy store. Like, yo, I want this CD. Oh, man, I didn't know they had this. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, and then when even if I didn't have the money, I would always ask the dude, oh, let me see that CD, and I would just look at the track. Exactly. You know, and like, oh, exactly. I'm going to save my money and come back in two weeks to get this CD. That's when album art was so important because that shit caught your eye. Like, oh, shit, look at how this, how this cover looks. This shit look crazy. Remember when you first saw... Uh, uh, flesh of my flesh, brother, my blood. Oof. That was crazy, yo. That was a crazy yeah, color. That was haunting. <laughs> yeah, man. That shit was like, yo, is this blood? Like, what's going on here, man? <laughs> like, is this goat blood? What is he doing here? This <laughs> is crazy. Yeah, and um, I, you know, it's it's a shame because these nine year olds, because we were like what nine, ten when we were had our mm-hmm. first experiences buying CDs or even cassette tapes, um, and. These nine-year-olds, ten-year-olds, they will never know what it's like to actually walk to the nah. record store and buy a CD because everything is so accessible to them. They, they literally yeah. at their fingertips, they can access any fucking record or any song. Um, so with that being said, my my question is: Do people even buy individual albums anymore? Like that's that's I what mean, we're going to talk about, obviously. But yeah, you got yeah, you got to yeah, imagine yeah. with. Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, with all of these, or, uh, you know, Tidal and uh, Apple Music, with all of these subscription-based services, do people actually sit there and buy individual albums anymore? Like, do they actually still pay 9 to $13 for an album? Or do they, is it more popular to just pay the $10 a month or the $15 a month and just have unlimited music? I mean, I think... Uh... As far as like people below our age bracket, definitely not. They're not doing that anymore. I mean, I even have Apple Music and Title. Um, I use Spotify to listen to certain podcasts and stuff. But uh, I feel like us being like pure—I don't want to say we're purists and stuff—but when there's certain artists that drop an album, like I know if Eminem drops an album right now or X drops an album, you're gonna—I mean—go out and buy it. Like for some reason, like us, we still want to hold the physical CD with certain artists, mm-hmm. like. Nas's last album I bought uh, uh, on CD, Hoves 444, I had to go buy that. I bought that. Like, it was just like, these are guys that I respect. I, I want to give them my money because these are the guys that I grew up with. But I'm not over here buying the latest uh, Gun and Lil Baby album, you know? I'm, that's just getting streamed because I'm going to skip, like, 20 of those songs, <laughs> you know? So, but, uh, like, I don't know, man. I feel like nobody's doing that anymore. I mean, think about what the what the RIAA did now. Like, they've counted streams. You have to hit a certain amount of streams to go platinum. You have to hit a certain amount of streams to go gold. They've 
you know, grown and, and, and uh, changed with the times because they know that shit is becoming obsolete. Nobody has a, a CD player in their car anymore or a Walkman, you know, everything's... I know five-year-olds, six-year-olds that are using iPhones to listen to music, you know, so you watch YouTube. So nobody, definitely nobody's buying albums and the record industry has changed to, to, to reflect that. I mean, 360 deals literally have become the thing to do because nobody buys physical CDs anymore. Like, they're not getting any return on their investment. People are still are, are shining shittier deals now or, like, deals that are for singles because, you know, the record labels are not making any money anymore because everybody's just streaming now. And that shit don't make no money. So, I don't know. Have you ever seen... Um, uh, I saw it for the first time and I was blown away and people were like, oh, in the comments were like, oh, people have never seen this before. Have you seen the streaming farms? You know what a streaming farm is? A streaming farm? No. Yeah. So it's a room where they set up a bunch of cell phones and devices and they play that one song off each phone for it to hit the streaming numbers to make their money. Oh, Fucking insane, man. Wow. Like, this is what they got to do now, bro. This is what they got to do now. Because nobody's buying CDs no more. Like, and before they used to just probably, the label probably used to buy the albums back or something yeah, like that. Yeah. They probably used to buy CDs off, you know, whatever, just to like uh, uh, say that it went platinum and stuff like that. But now they got to set up cell phones in a room and stream that one song off each device just to make their money, man. It's, it's, it's insane, man. It's insane. As much as technology is. It's a gift and a curse. It's a fucking gift and a curse, man. It's crazy. Wow, that's so interesting. I'm trying to, like, actually visualize that. Yo, People in a room just... Lou, look <laughs> it up, Lou. You'll see the YouTube video or whatever video, and it's... You're gonna... Like, what? You're looking like, yo, they can't be... They all streaming the same Taylor Swift song? This was crazy. Like, wow. This is wild. <laughs> wow. So, it's, we, it's wild, man. It's wild. So, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess to answer your question, I don't think nobody's buying albums anymore, man. Yeah, no, I don't... Um... It's true, unless you're, unless you were born in like the early '90s, and I think that's probably the cutoff point. Um, but unless you were born during that time, like prior to like let's just say 1994, 1993, like I don't think I don't mm -hmm. think people are really gonna go out of their way to buy a CD or because like it baffles me. I walk through Target and Walmart all the time, and I still see these. These racks of of C this a whole entire CD section and it's like yo CDs and DVDs yeah, yeah. And it's like who's really buying this shit like when it's just so yeah when you even if you even if you wanted to purchase it you could just purchase it online like who actually is buying the CD unless again unless you're like twenty five and older or maybe even thirty yeah. and older but I mean you know we we think from a different perspective I guess because. We're from New York where, you know, everything's moving fast. We go with the times. We actually, we make the trends as far as like from fashion to business to technology, like everything's like moving forward in New York. You being in Houston now, do you see people, because I always think about like, I always think about that too, like walking past the DVD sections, the DVDs for $5.99, these CDs for, for $7.99. I'm always like, they're not selling here, but maybe they're selling somewhere in Missouri or Kansas or Ohio, you know, where... You know, it's not, um, people are not as tech savvy or, you know, middle America where, you know, white people are going to the, to the local fucking Walmart to get the new Garth Brooks album. Like, you know, for example, I don't know if Garth Brooks is still making music, but you being in Houston now, do you see it differently? Like, 
are people buying CDs there or like people are streaming as well? No, but that's what I'm talking about. I, I go to Target all the time and I go to Walmart all the time and I go to all of these suburban outlets and, and whatnot. And I don't actually see people taking a CD from that section and putting it in their cart. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, like that's all crazy. this shit is the blue Blu-rays and, and, and movies. That's a little different. Um, Mm-hmm. But as far as music is concerned, I don't really say. I think I'm like maybe one of two people every time I browse music and just to look at CDs. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not. Well, what do you think about DVDs and Blu-rays? You think that'll be out the door soon too? Um, I think they will, but I I think it's gonna take a long. Here's here's the thing. This is why I say the Blu-ray thing is different because Hollywood has become very smart with their um the way they sell their movies. It's because when they're available for home release now, when you buy the Blu-ray, you get a code for a digital copy anyway, and you get a DVD copy. So, oh, so they're making their money back. Exactly. Ways. So I don't think Blu-rays are going anywhere anytime soon because, yes, yeah, some people do want to have the physical copies of, uh, of movies. They want to be collectors, um, and rightfully so, because I'm kind of like that too. I just don't have the money to spend on every mm-hmm. fucking Blu-ray movie. But when you buy, right, right, or right. let's just say you buy the 4K version... You're going to get the 4K disc, the Blu-ray disc, the DVD disc, and the digital version. So you... And the digital copy. Right. So you spend $30, $35, and you're already getting four platforms. So I think that's like a win-win for anybody who's trying to collect the the movie. But with music, it's like you're just getting the CD. Yeah, you're right. You know, you're only getting the CD. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. how often are you really going to put that CD into your player? If you Yo, I was just gonna say that, man. Like it can't, it can't, it can't work with music. That game plan cannot work with music. It's the the medium is too different. Like if the damn, if the CD came with a, uh, uh, if the CD came with uh, an extended out, uh, extended mu- music video like Beyonce did, where she had a video for every song, right. then I guess it would be different because it's like, yo, I get the Blu-ray with the album, and I get to download the joint on my Apple Music or whatever to my to my computer. Cause it's a it's a video for every album. I mean, for every song. So it's like a movie. But like, that can't work. You're right. It can't. I was just gonna say that that wouldn't work with music, man. It's just it's too different. It's it's audio. It's not visual. So, hey, man. But yo, shout out to the movie industry. They figured it out. <laughs> they really figured it out, bro. That's crazy. Yeah. What about what you think that's affecting it? Or well, I'm not think. I'm asking because I've heard different things. I've heard like bits and pieces. It's affecting the people going to the movie theaters, though, right? Well, in what sense? And like nobody wants to go to the movies anymore because they could just own it or they could stream it from their house. Like I know a lot of movies are becoming uh, released um, on demand as well as in the movie theaters at the same time. I've seen that a couple of times. Yeah, that's that's been a huge trend over the last five years or so. And um, that's going to continue. And unfortunately, that means that we're probably going to get less and less movies coming out in the, in the movie theater because right. it's... I think for film studios, it's way more expensive to develop that film stock or whatever they do to ship out to movie theaters. And mm-hmm. when you can just have Netflix purchase the rights to your film and release it right then and there, and somebody's just watching it from the comfort of their home. I am yeah. old school. I'm not saying that I don't love digital. I love digital. Who doesn't? But... I love the movie theater experience because it, it it's exactly that. It's an experience. I'm not just going exactly. I'm not just going for the movie itself. I'm going for mm-hmm. 
the the surround sound, the popcorn. Exactly. You know? The gigantic screen, the popcorn, the people oohing and on with Exactly, like, exactly. Nothing's gonna recreate that, man. Nothing exactly. I mean, it's one thing to watch a movie with my wife on the on the on the couch and sitting nice and comfortably, but it's another thing to actually hear and feel the audience react to certain scenes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, like, and that's become like the conversation. Like, yo, I'm gonna go see that in the movie theaters. I'm not gonna see that in the crib. Like, uh, there was this movie that Netflix is putting out that I, I read. Like, I read a bunch of stuff that it's gone through. Like, it's gone through a lot of different like channels as far as like it's been picked up and dropped. And this person picked up the script and this person directed it. But it's a new Ben Affleck movie with a, with a bunch of other stars in it about some like uh, uh, retired yeah. uh, special forces dude that robbed like a drug do- a drug lord. <laughs> I would have, I would have paid to see that. That shit looks crazy. Like I love those kind of movies, those kind of action. Those that's something you you see in Dolby Digital, with you know with uh, in IMAX with the freaking loud gun sounds, the big airplane chases. Like I, I I can see that being really cool to watch in the movie theaters. But it went from being released in the movie theaters and digital to I saw a trailer recently and it did not mention anything about being released in the movie theaters. So I guess it's just gonna be digital now. Um, yeah, but you know that's one of those movies I would have been like, "Yo, I'm gonna go see that. I'm gonna go see that in the movie theaters." Roma, I wasn't probably gonna go see that in the movie theaters, but it's on Netflix too, so I will watch it on Netflix. Right, you know, right. like <laughs> um, we're also from an era, you and I, where it used to take two thousand years for something to come out on VHS <laughs> for us to watch at home. Yeah. Like it was crazy. You would wait two years for you know Batman be uh, you know uh, Batman Forever to come out on tape or some shit like that. You know, yeah. so. Um, I don't know, man. I think I think the 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 public is spoiled now with everything being in their hands so fast. Yeah, it's true. And the funny thing about it is that we uh, we mentioned how in like our generation and obviously the the older generations they still like that old school movie theater experience. You can actually mm-hmm. equate that to music. There are there's a, a a really good amount of people who still like physical copies of music. So that brings mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. definitely yeah. So that brings us to um, how great segue. Oh, that was awesome. Oh man, Lou, that was you was smooth like butter, baby. That was great. Keep <laughs> yeah, going. Yeah, I know they, they, they call me Parquet around here. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's, that's a dated reference. I'm I'm showing my age. Uh, I saw that. Hey. I can't believe it's not butter. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, there's been a resurgence in vinyl. Uh, and it's amazing to me because I was reading up on this because, well, first of all, let me backtrack. Because Karen and I were walking in, it was one of these stores. I don't remember where it was. I don't remember if it was Best Buy. Urban Outfitters? No, 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 no. It was uh one of these electronics. I can't remember, but... um. Circuit City, uh, no, uh, no, PC Richard and Son. It, no, no, no. The Circuit City doesn't even exist anymore. It might have, it might no, have either PC been, Richard and Son. it might have either been Best Buy or a local, a local place around here called Fry's Electronics. But, um, we saw, okay. we saw, you know, just a record player. That's all it was, and we were like, right. oh man, how cool would it be to have a record player? And I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't mind one and just start collecting vinyls of, of all these old classic albums. And when I say classic albums, I'm talking about like 50, 40 fucking years ago. Um, right. So it got me thinking, like, I wonder what segment of the music consumer population is going back and buying uh, CDs, cassette tapes, vinyls, like all of that analog stuff. So 
Yeah. I read this article that the, the same article that I sent you a link, a link for the, the Forbes mm-hmm. one. Right, Final right. sales grew in double digits in 2018, meaning <laughs> vinyl. This is vinyl. For those of you who don't know what vinyl is, it's the big record that looks like a, a huge CD that DJs use for turntables and all that good stuff, you know? It looks like a huge CD, guys. It looks like a huge CD. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, mean, to, I don't <laughs> mean to dumb down the audience, <laughs> but, you know, you can't, you can't always assume <laughs> that people know what vinyl is. So... Vinyl sales, right, were 9.7 million in in 2018, and that's an increase of 12.7 percent from 8.6 million in 2017. Just let that process. So that means last year, just last year, nine million vinyls were sold. So right then and there, I'm- vinyls, guys. Like also, I didn't really don't think. Did you like date it? Like vinyls were popular in yes. the 70s. Yes, the vinyls. The last you time know, vinyls like, were popular were the 80s. Yeah, because CDs real. became a big thing in like the late 80s going into the early 90s. And then by the mid 90s, like everybody that's was right, just either right. copying CDs or cassette tapes. But and vinyls were on their way out. Mm-hmm. But like actual records, right. that this this goes to show you that the power of nostalgia cannot be underestimated. Nostalgia will always, always, always be around, no matter if it's nostalgia from the 90s or nostalgia from 100 years ago. What's old is always it always becomes new again. So with roughly 66 percent of vinyl albums being sold in 2018. Out of of those numbers, at least. What was at least uh, they were they were released at least three years ago. So mm-hmm. that tells me that people are not just buying vinyls of old Michael. Yeah, not, yeah, right. Not just of old Michael Jackson records, but they're also buying records of Kendrick Lamar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. All current albums. Yeah. All yeah, because Damn and Good Kid, Mad City, they're both on the the top twenty list of of. Yeah, of the, of the top selling vinyl <laughs> of 2018, Dan and Good Kid, Mad City were uh, like crazy. in the top 20. Isn't that amazing? Yo, that's crazy. The the the, the artists that are eating, uh, the artists that are popular on this top 20 though, also speaks volumes because I don't. Uh, I, I it's crazy. Like I'm I'm trying to. I would love to see an article about when was the vinyl, the reboom of vinyl right now because I, I started seeing vinyls in Urban Outfitters and then. You know, I started seeing a lot of people like selling vinyls, like it became like a thing. And you and I went to a very hippie school. So like we used to see that shit all the time, people playing records and stuff. But we always thought it was just like this is purchase, yeah. you know, like, you know, these guys, they collecting old Prince records and stuff. And now I have old Prince records. But it's like when I started seeing an Urban Outfitters and I'm like, that's the new Tame Impala. Album. That's that's the chronic over there. They just put the chronic out on record. <laughs> like, like certain things, it's just like so, I don't want to use this word, but it's like hipsters like made it like a thing. Like, damn, you know, like Kendrick, you know, the type of people that listen to Kendrick are these intelligent people that listen to like certain type of rap, you know, like they're not necessarily rushing out to go buy the newest Drake album, you know, like damn is a is a conceptual thinking man's album, you know, it's yeah. gangster, but there's a lot, a lot of going on oh, yeah. in that album, you know, it's like, uh, like to pimp a butterfly, like. I, I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of people have that vinyl. Yeah, of course. Know? Um, I mean, to answer my own question, I was just thinking right now. I feel like vinyl was like the cool thing that artists did 
to like feed their fans like hey i'm putting out a special edition of the album on vinyl to to go with the purchase you know like something jack white would do or something yeah. like that but i don't know man it's 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 really really sh- it still bugs me out i have a record player that i could hook up digital stuff too like it's i have it sitting over there and stuff and it's just very it's it's strange man what do you think what do you think about this what, what what's going on you think it's just people just trying to live in the past with nostalgia like is that really what it is you know it, that could be part of it um actually I, I think that's a huge part of it um because the thing with vinyl is it it's a different musical experience especially from especially for those artists who made music from decades ago they they intended it for you to for you to consume it and listen to it in a certain way and you can't really get that mm-hmm. same experience with digital yes digital sounds clear sounds crisp but it doesn't really sound as uh what's the word i'm looking for it doesn't really sound as atmospheric as if you if you were to listen to yeah, it yeah and i don't want to use this word but it doesn't sound as like authentic it's as it's almost with vinyl. It's like you were there in the studio with them. It's like the sounds are so, such more like you hear the cracking of this and like I don't know, like the sound just sounds so like real. Like we're right there with you and stuff. We can hear him spitting on the mic and shit. I don't know. It's, it's, well, it's it's, it's kind of like cinema. Christopher Nolan doesn't mm-hmm. like to shoot in digital. He's still one of the 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 few filmmakers who shoots in 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 film because you can't get mm-hmm. that same experience with digital because with film it's like you get that real grainy cinematic quality and yeah but doesn't he do so doesn't he uh like use 4k cameras for some scenes like when they're like big 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 scenes yeah he'll use like imax that? cameras yeah for sure oh yeah IMAX yeah cameras right some big shit yeah but he's, he's not a, he's not yeah, a fan oh, yeah. of the digital medium so he's very old school so that that's that's that goes right, along right. with the music thing too. Some people, especially if you're talking about a middle-aged person who's past the age of 55 or 60, they're still gonna want to probably cop those analog uh, vinyls and records because, first of all, it's the nostalgia, and secondly, they're getting that experience that really brings them back to 1972 or back to 1981 or 1965, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. For now, sure. let me read the top 10. Selling out uh, vinyls of 2018. So number ten, Bob Marley and the way uh, the Whalers, legend. Yeah, <laughs> that that sold thirty three thousand. Number nine, Pink Floyd, The Dark Side of the Moon. Of course, it's a classic. Of yeah, course, that that sold thirty three point three thousand. Number eight, Queen, Greatest Hits, thirty four thousand. Yeah. Timely, right, right. Of course, that movie just the streaming, the streaming. I would love to see the streaming records on Queen right now. They're probably going through the roof. Oh, yeah, of course. Movie. Number seven, Tony Bennett and Diana Krall. Love is here to stay. 36,000. Yeah. Hell? Number six, Amy Winehouse. Back to Black, 37,000. Oh, album is timeless, man. That's a timeless album. Right? Number five, Prince and the Revolution, Purple Rain, 38,000. That shit's, Christ, that shit's still selling. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Number four, Fleetwood Mac, Rumors, 38,000. <laughs> Yo, that's wild. These are all like the, the definitive albums of each artist. Yep. This is so crazy. Number three, The Beatles, Abbey Road, 43,000. Well, of course. Uh-huh, Number of course. two, Michael Jackson, Thriller, of course, 46,000. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You would never, I'm, I'm telling I'm, you, 
You would never fucking guess what number one is. Number one is <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix Volume One. Nah. <laughs> Nah, a soundtrack? Yes. Don't you tell me right well, now? it's not really a soundtrack nah. for the movie, but you know, it's it has a lot of old stuff on it. Wait, so it's Guardians of the Galaxy? What? What is awesome, it? What is it? Awesome like, Mix Volume One. I mean, you've seen the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, right? How they have, uh, yeah. So yeah, Star Lord, yeah. he has the uh, the Awesome Mix cassette tape, and it has like a whole bunch of old, really old songs. Not like extremely old but you know right. like old old popular songs and that that sold 47,000 that was the top selling vinyl of 2018 that's insane that's kind of like the kid that's like the uh the now volume 28 of that list yeah. right there you yeah. know, remember the nows <laughs> remember the album yeah. yeah that's crazy those are that's the hot 97 volume <laughs> three. Yo, the hot 97 like, that's why remember those oh shows? yeah those they, they were they put they put me onto a lot of exclusive singles yeah yeah for real that's crazy, man. That's insane. That's such a, a versatile list, man. So diverse. That's insane. And, and like I, I said, wonder, Kendrick yo, has think, Kendrick has uh-huh. two albums on in the top twenty. That's insane, man. What the yo? What do you think? You think their split is the same? Like, how does that work? You think? Like, as far as like, I would sales? I would have to think so because now you're talking physical copies. Like, you're not just talking bullshit streaming numbers. Mm-hmm. Like, these are people that are actually going out now and buying the physical copy of of a of an album. So it's mm-hmm. it's a that's a whole different ball game. So that that just goes to show you Kendrick Lamar's star power right now, and 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 just how important Yo, he is to, to hip hop. That's insane, man. That is insane, man. I can't believe. Yeah, that. I could. I could not believe that either. And it, it got me thinking. You know what? All of the CDs that I have collected in my in my big booklet at home, I want to eventually. I can't really say upgrade, but I want to eventually cop every one of those CDs on vinyl. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, man. just for just sure. to have it. I remember I found a. I found a store in Jersey one year, like two years ago, three years ago, and it was like this record store going out of business. My mom had drove by once. Oh no, no, I was driving by with my mom and um and my stepfather, and he was and I was like looking out, looking through the window. I'm like, yo, guys, is that a, a record store? So we go, we pull over, and it's this old couple, this old woman and this old man, and they're closing the store, and they're giving literally giving away for like a dollar, three dollars. All of the vinyl they ever used to sell wow. before, man. I'm talking about original pressings of Zeppelin, original pressings wow. of Prince. I'm like, what for a dollar, two dollars, five dollars? Yo, it was insane, man. Like, I went one day, racked up. I called my boy up. I'm like, yo, this is where we at. We out. And he came the next day with me. He racked up. It was just crazy, man. Like, when I tell you records and records, apart, like, they had rooms in the back. Like, hey, there's more in the back if you want to go. And it's like all these other rooms with records in them, like from classical music to rock music. Like it was insane, man. And it's just like, I, it's it's crazy to think that, you know, I'm buying these albums for like a dollar or two because I'm thinking nothing's, you know, I mean, like these are the records, you know, like nothing's crazy. And they selling brand new albums, I mean, brand new uh, remasterings of these albums for fifteen dollars at your local Urban Outfitters, and they charting. That's Wait a minute, nuts, did man. you say fifteen, man? A lot of these are actually north of twenty five bucks. Nah, yes. for a record? Nah, go to, go to, I'll tell you, go to Amazon, <laughs> right? Because I was doing some research today. I was looking up Rick James, you know, just for shits and giggles. 
And one of his vinyls from, uh, what was it? Uh, Street Songs, that album. He had, they had that listed for like 25 and change. Then there was, there was Rick James's greatest hits, that vinyl. Yo, they didn't even have a brand new copy of that. They, you had to actually buy it through, um, buy it used through a, a different seller. They were selling that joint for like almost a hundred bucks. All right, so let's see. Let's. I'm on Urban Outfitters right now, and you are absolutely correct. A brand new record of a new album. So let's say the Beyonce Lemonade is two right. LPs, thirty six ninety eight. Khalil Sunday Exclusive LP twenty one ninety eight. Uh, Queen Greatest Hits thirty five ninety eight. Yep. Holy crap! This is crazy. Yeah. Um, Cardi B's album Invasion of Privacy twenty nine ninety eight. That's insane, man. This is That's crazy. It. A Star Is Born two disc uh, a two uh vinyl LP thirty five ninety eight as well. Like yo, this you're right, man. This shit is selling for a lot of freaking. Yeah, I gotta I gotta money. I gotta buy Karen the Star Is Born vinyl because she loves the Star Is Born. Uh, she 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 would, she would appreciate yeah, that, that on vinyl. That soundtrack is fire. Yeah, for sure. That soundtrack is fire. For sure. Yeah. So that just goes to show you, man. That 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 is right there. What what it's all about. Vinyl is back in style. The fact that it's it's priced as high as it is. So, mm-hmm. for sure. You know the irony though. So we're talking about nostalgia, right? CD sales have mm-hmm. dropped by eighteen point five percent. And uh, and that's because only sixty point seven million, as opposed to seven seventy four point five million in two thousand seventeen, and it's very mind boggling to think about it because sixty million CDs were sold last year. Like, what sixty million people bought CDs in twenty eighteen? It's true. It's true. And even before that, in twenty seventeen, seventy four million CDs were sold in twenty seventeen. That's insane, that's what I'm, man. That's what I'm where? Where are these people That's what I'm saying. CDs? Like, who? Where? No, no forget where. Who? <laughs> that's, that's what I would love to they know. Gotta, they got to know where they're tracking at, though. I want to know what, what region of the world they're doing this. Like, I, I want to know. I really want to know because I want to meet these people, man. These people need to be interviewed. Like, why are you still buying this? What's going on? Do you not own a cell phone? <laughs> it's not like, even grandmothers, even grandmothers have touchscreen phones now, bro. Like, what? What the hell is stopping you from, from doing this? Like, I don't know. Even, even, and they've made it so economically. Like, I'm not knocking it because obviously we still buy CDs, but certain CDs. But economically, it makes even more sense to go digital because it's like I pay ten dollars a month, fifteen dollars a month, which is the price of one CD to get as exactly. much music as I want. I, I feel like that's a no-brainer, you know. So that's wild, man. That's freaking wild. That's yeah, wild. I was not expecting those numbers to be that high. Um, and you made a good point. Like, I don't even That's think my parents listen to, I don't even think my parents use CDs anymore. You know? Nah, man. And then the, our parents are still running the YouTube. I got to see, I'm the one that taught my mother how to use Apple Music. I'm like, listen, I'm paying for the family plan. You're going to learn how to use this because it's easier than just YouTube and every song. Like, let's yeah, go. seriously. <laughs> now, here's the interesting thing cassette tapes, right? Get your, get your tape decks out. Mm-hmm. Cassette sales grew. Yeah, I- by 18.9% last year. What? Cassettes are going to make a resurgence that, too? That's, that's the next question. Do you think cassettes are next in line? Nah, man. Nah. Until until I start seeing freaking tape players sold in Urban Outfitters, 
I'm not. That's not happening. You f- you know how hard it probably is to find a tape player right now. That must be freaking no, difficult. No, I wouldn't. Hell I wouldn't no. be so sure about that. If if you go really? to maybe even even like mom and pop stores might have them, but if you go to like Best Buy or, or look on Amazon online, what they're the the way around it now is they'll sell a stereo that has a CD player built in with a tape deck built in with an MP3 player. So that's that's uh, the yeah that's the still? yeah well still? no it it's not as ubiquitous as it might have been 15 20 years ago but you can still find shit like that. Mm, that's crazy. Listen, I got to see that. I I haven't bought a stereo in I know a long I know. Time, but I but I listen gotta... cassette, cassette sales they they increased. And and it's not like they increased by 1 or 2%, they increased by 18%. So obviously people have a renewed interest in all of these old platforms. Yeah, I mean, somebody, somebody's, I mean, and then that's crazy because I was going to say CDs are doing bad, but you told me those millions of numbers right now. But I mean, the fact that these old ways of listening to music are doing good again, like you said, man, people just are caught up in nostalgia, man. That's really what it is. Yeah. And I just realized something, you know, what's the drawback behind digital when, when everything goes to shit with your electronics at the end of the day. You can still have your record player or your CD player or your tape deck. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. think true. about it. Yeah, you don't have right. if you don't have the physical platform of your favorite album, and you're solely relying on the streaming. That's all fine and dandy. But if your phone dies or everything goes haywire at your house, and you don't have a backup, like you don't have it on CD or you don't have it on tape, you know you're, you're screwed because you won't have anything to listen to at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like what now? What are you gonna plug in? You know, like oh, like uh, you can't find a charger to your yep. phone. Like, what what's now? What are you doing now? You know. Yeah, and with the with the whole cassette thing and the CD thing, you could they they still sell portable CD players and Walkmans. You know, what I'm saying you can get your you can get your really you can get your fix Where? that way. You they still sell portable CDs and Walkmans. Bro, I line. kid you not. I saw it in either Walmart or Best Buy. One of those two. It might have been Walmart, but. I yo, I looked at Karen. I'm like, who the fuck is would buy this? Unless they just don't want to open it and just sell it as a collector's item somewhere. But it was like a legit a CD player, like a portable CD player. Wow, that's insane, man. That is insane. I got. I'm gonna go to PC Richard and and and, and track track one down, man. I'm definitely gonna go to PC Richard and track one down. I have to see. No, I'm I'm about to just start becoming a collector of vinyls. A collector of uh, cassettes. I'm, I'm gonna have uh, a Walkman lying around somewhere. Watch, <laughs> just in case. Man. Just, just in case, just in case the world goes to shit. I'm gonna have my uh, my We Are the Streets album yeah, on man. cassette tape. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good album to have. Bro. Uh, yeah, and I actually had that on cassette. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah I, had, I had it on cassette. Be- cassette I, I had it on cassette ball. before I had it on CD. Mm, I had a. One of the first cassettes I bought on my own was uh, uh, Sports Drugs and Entertainment. Oh, Cameron. Because okay. I couldn't afford the... Uh, Bro, CD, you so took the to words out of my mouth. That's exactly why I bought We Are The Streets. Because I couldn't... I didn't have the extra... I had to. I was like, yo, I, I, I didn't have the extra $5. Exactly. Exactly. Yo, I was like, yo, I'll give you this, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Give me the tape, man. F that. This will work. This will work. the same thing. It's just now you can't skip. Yeah, you know, you just can't skip the song. I know. I'll make it work, though. 
Shit, remember, remember we're winding just to hear. Drake's verse? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's I had wild, to keep, man. I had to keep pressing rewind, man. That's crazy. Yo, that's crazy. That's that's insane. Yeah. Man. Wow, man. But that you're right. Nostalgia, man. Nostalgia's winning right now, man. Ex- except for CDs, apparently. Yeah, I mean, another 20 years, CDs would be the thing to look well, for. Well, that, that's an interesting point, too, because I do think that everything comes back around. So in about, I would say by the time my son is, which would be literally two decades from now, by the time my son is 25, CDs would be a new thing all over again. Mm. And Hey, Dad, did you have CDs? Like, what? You know how many CDs I got? Let me pull out. Oh, no. Shit, I say it all the time. When he is ready, when he's like about nine, ten years old, he's mature enough to handle the content. I will show him all of the CDs that I have. He's gonna look. Oh, we got it. That's a separate. Oh, that's a whole different conversation. Then we gotta, we gotta have that. Yeah, yeah. You saying nine, nine or ten? Nine to ten is what you're waiting for to play him the hip hop. The, the hey, why not? We grew up on that shit when we were nine to ten. That's what I'm saying. Like. But I feel like we were like eight or seven almost <laughs> listening to that shit. By yeah, accident. by accident. Our parents didn't know anything. Yeah, for real. Nine to ten. You, I mean, you actually, you're right. In hindsight, that is pretty young. Um, that is definitely pretty young. And people are so desensitized now. Like they, they, they listening to shit way earlier than that. You know, kids are finding our stuff on their own way earlier than that. So. I definitely could see that. that. That's definitely a suitable. Yeah, age. of course. Listen, I teach third graders, and one of my students, he, mm-hmm. he, because I told him that I like rap, and um, he references Travis right. Scott. He's like, "Oh, you know Travis Scott is the guy that sings sicko mode," and he he just recites lyrics, and I'm like, "Oh, well, you know, there you go." <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you don't, if you're from Houston, you don't know who Travis Scott is. They're like, come on, kid. I have every first of all, Travis Scott is a blown, a well-known artist. You know, he they don't know you like hip hop. They don't who, know that. who's they? Your students? They don't know. Oh, you like well, yeah, I let it be known during our poetry unit. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I, I love poetry because I love hip hop, and um, you know, the, the kids get excited because they're like, oh, that's that's so cool, you know. And, yeah, they, and then they bring up sicko mode, and it's like, ah, you know, it's, I mean, not that, not that. Uh, yeah, right, right. And it's like I can't really disclose the type of hip hop that I like because, uh, you know, quite frankly, you yeah, guys are yeah. too young. You'll get fired. I'll yeah. get fired. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's crazy, man. All right. After after this quick break, we're gonna get into our last topic, which is the fuckery going on with Tommy Boy Records and De La Soul. So, gotcha. And I finally got all the uh, details for this Kanye shit. So hell yeah! We'll so we're back. We'll be back in a moment. I got a little bit of rap trivia for you. Let's do it. Tommy ain't my motherfucking boy. Who said that? Ice Cube. Nah, that was Jizza off Liquid Swords. Remember what? that song, Label. Yeah, yeah, no, that he's shitting on all the labels, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's using the name of every label to, you know. That's boy, classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Tommy Boy Records. Mm-hmm. Now they their reputation precedes them, I guess, because a lot of artists have fell out with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, here's the deal with De La Soul. De La Soul, iconic hip hop group. Um, going back to the, the real ethnocentric era of the that dominated the, the East Coast early '90s sound, you know, along with Tribe Called Quest, Diggable Planets, Brand Nubian, Ultra Magnetic, mm-hmm. uh, so on and so forth. 
Now, their material, unbeknownst to me, was never made available digitally, or at least on these major platforms, until now. Here's the catch. Tommy Boy said that they would make, they would uh, have the availability for fans to now finally stream De La Soul's classic content, all of their original albums and stuff on Spotify. and uh, I think it was just Spotify, right? That was like the main platform. Yeah, it's their OG albums, by the way. It's none of their new stuff. They put out two independent albums, two or three independent albums in the last uh, 10 years. That is uh, totally them. That's all on digital platforms right now. But their stuff that the real hardcore fans want, all of their classics, has never been released. Right, right. Except that that stuff is what I'm uh, referring to. So their yeah. the first couple of albums. Was mm-hmm. that, like, if you wanted it, you had to YouTube it or whatever. Um, so basically what the deal is, it would be made available, but Tommy Boy would end up taking 90% of the streaming revenues, leaving with Insane. De La Soul with a measly 10%. How many people in De La Soul again? Um, it's got to be at least three, right? I'm yeah, not, I believe it's three members. Yeah, I'm not that familiar with De La Soul as far as... um. You know, because I'm familiar with them, but not to the extent that I, I consider myself a fan. Right. I, you know, I, I know of their work. But, there's three of them. I just looked it up. There's three of them. Oh, okay, so there's three of them. So, so 10% amongst three people. Insane. Exactly. And this... this I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to the streaming farm shit that you were talking about. So imagine if you had a room full of people with all their electronic devices that were streaming... De La Soul's debut album. Let's just say first debut album. They were all streaming at the same time. Tommy Boy would pretty much see the majority of that. Yeah. Okay. It would take a lot of streaming farms for them to get, get a dent in any type of revenue for De La Soul themselves. For sure. Yeah, and I, I thought it was a shame when I first read that. I'm like, am I reading this right? Yeah, like, it, the number doesn't make sense, right? It's like, damn, people are still getting fucked over like that? It's just crazy. Yeah, seriously. So then Nas um, and a couple of other artists, they, they banded together because they were up in arms because obviously De La Soul was influential on their careers. So they ended up boycotting anything that Tommy Boy had in relation to um, releasing their music digitally or whatever the case was. So because of the backlash, Tommy Boy decided not to go ahead and release their, their material until... All of this is resolved. Yeah, so that, that's what's your that's crazy. take on this? That's what do I think about that you said? Yeah, like what's your, what's your take on this this situation? That's I didn't know people were still. I know three sixty deals are around, but even then, they seen some type of bread ten percent, right. and it's like you know what's scary? Like everybody, as far as a number goes, like it's like that number that that comparison of numbers is still even if you don't know what the split is. It's like, damn, you're giving these guys 10% and you're getting 90? Like, just hearing it makes you, like, quiver. Like, yo, like, they, these are legends, you know? And, like, there was a show on Revolt that an artist that, that has always championed, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, getting uh, rappers that just do, he broke down and cried because he's like, yo, these elders, the elders didn't know what the hell they were signing, man, like, all of these, all these legends from the '90s and the '80s, like none of them are 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 paid right now. None of them like are wealthy and rich 
even even because, even with the like the the effect they had on the culture and on other rappers, like none of them have their paperwork in order, man. None of them have any money. So it's like, yo, what is going on here that people can still get done dirty like this, man? And you know, I mean, we're gonna segue into it, but I thought it was just artists from that era, from that eighties and nineties, getting done dirty. Apparently, there's an artist from our era that was done dirty like that as well. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, and that was one of the biggest reasons why Lupe Fiasco's career um, never really took off after. Oh, uh, you saw the tweets. You saw the tweets, huh? Yeah. That's yeah. wild, man. That's a wild, wild set of tweets, bro. <laughs> like, wow. That's insane, yo. Like, they, they just because he ain't take the 360 deal, they literally blackballed him. That's insane, man. Yeah, yeah. Lasers was the last time. He, he, he. Talks about that a lot on his most recent album, Drogas Wave, um, which is a great album. Um, but Lasers was the last time that he saw any type of commercial success, and that was his worst, worst body of work. By right, it was yeah, definitely commercial, and you could tell he just phoned it in because he owed Atlantic that that album. He was just like, right. whatever, just take it, and that is what it is. Um, yeah, and he's he's a prime example of. An artist who got extremely fucked over by, by mm-hmm. and he pushed back, and that's why you know. And he says it in the tweets. He didn't eat the th- he didn't take the three sixty deal, and he's like, all the artists that are doing it now. He's like, yo, you taking these kids from the hood? They never seen a million dollars. Of course, they're gonna take a million dollars and sign their life away because it's like, yo, nobody's ever seen a million dollars, bro. Like you've never seen that number. Like it's crazy. So um, you know, for a kid to come from poverty, poverty, and take that number is like, yo, I'm taking a million dollars off rip, you know. Hello, they, you talking about they've never seen a million dollars. They've never seen $10,000. Yeah, for real. It's true. It's true. So, yeah, of course, they're they're treated like bait. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a shame on the labels that they're still trying to get away with this kind of stuff in this day and age, especially on De La Soul, who I would assume that because they're veterans, they're more how she should work as far right. as what you're owed as a, as an artist. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, I mean, they vets, but the same, it seems to be the, the common story, the common denominator with all those legends from that era um, is none of them had their paperwork right. Like somebody like Rakim should be a wealthy man living in a mansion as far as for, based upon, like if, if uh currency was based on, uh, if currency was based on influence, you know, Rakim would be the richest man in the world as far as hip hop goes, because he he basically birthed a whole genre of rappers. You know, like that a whole style of rap. Like he should be living in a mansion somewhere in Jersey. But yeah, just who like knows Big Daddy Kane. Mm-hmm. Big Daddy Kane too. Like these dudes are doing as many bullshit shows as they can in the and BB Kings or something like that. Well, I think BB Kings actually closed now. And, wow, uh, yo, are you serious? Yeah, I believe it's. I believe it closed. I believe it had its last show last year. Oh, um, wow. I believe it closed. Yeah. Um. So like, you know, these dudes are are, are struggling to get their little couple grand to do a show and shit because, you know, they're not making much money off uh, uh off album sales or streaming stuff. You know. So, I don't know, man. But again, uh, unless you want to keep talking about this, we could segue right into an artist that's being done dirty from our era that you would think would know what he's doing. But yeah, no, we could segue into it. Yeah. I mean, this Kanye shit, it's crazy because the more I read about Kanye's business savvy and 
uh, or his unsavviness, the more I'm like, damn, this guy's really gone crazy. And it's like, I can see why he's gone so crazy. Like, you know, he was yelling about asking for money to start all these businesses and yelling about owning his masters. And now the paperwork is coming into light that he's going to court with EMI, which I didn't even know he was signed to. I always thought it was Def Jam Rockefeller. I didn't know he signed as a producer. Yeah, EMI, no, right? Nobody did, apparently. That's insane. Like, what? EMI, bro? That's one of the oldest labels in the world that's been doing people dirty. Whatever. She signed to them. And, <laughs> yo, you know what's crazy? When I sent you the text, I really had to go reread everything just to, like, see that I sent you the right text. That shit says he is not allowed to retire. <laughs> that is the craziest shit I've ever heard in my life. The artist is not allowed to retire. And in the jargon, even in the legal jargon that they put it in, it's like a dummy could read, like, yo, this says you can't stop making music, bro. Like, this is, like, you read this and you didn't think this was, like, you didn't think this was a little crazy? So his thing is he's trying to fight this thing because in the state of California, that's supposed to end by 2007. So he wants EMI to keep all the albums before 2007, and he gets to keep all the albums from 2007 and up. Now, lucky for him, 2007 was when he dropped one of the most, uh, his best albums, basically, which is My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. No, so that was owned... two, wait, 2007? 2007 was yeah. graduation? No, I, I just looked it up right now, and it said 2007 was, you, you got something in front of you? Let me see. No, 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 I know this off the top of my head. The, the, uh, 20, 2007 was graduation. I was only his third album. So, uh, my so Beautiful be... Dark Twisted Fantasy was 2010. Oh, so it would be, it would be, it would be graduation all the way up. So, okay. So, graduation to... Let me see what it says in the contract. I'm still, like, bugging out about this. Okay. So, no, no, no. So, I'm bugging. It wouldn't be 2007. It would be... EMI has all of his songs after October 1st, 2010. According to the terms of his original 2003 agreement, that's 50% of his stake in each song. So, it wow. says that... Uh, second, he wants the last four years worth of money that EMI made from the post-October 2010 portion of his catalog. So he's saying that based on the contract he signed, it's supposed to be done up by 2010. So excuse me. It's supposed to be every album from 2010 and up. So that starts with My Beautiful Dark, right? Yeah. So 2010, My Beautiful Dark. 2013, Yeezus. 2016, The Life of Pablo. And after that would be... Yeah. Oh, if you count if you count Watch the Throne as one of his, oh, yeah. and that bullshit album, yay. So, uh, which was terrible. So uh, it was a terrible fucking album. I, tried I, to I don't it. think it was. I don't think it was. I didn't think it was terrible, but I just thought it was very underwhelming. Yeah, very. Yeah, there you go. You're so nice, Lou. It was underwhelming. There was a couple songs that I loved, and I was just like, okay, this is fire. But the rest of it was like, damn, man, what's good with yay? But that's a whole other topic for a whole other story. Yeah. But. That's wild, though, man. He would only keep everything from 2010. He, he's not going to make any money from late registration, graduation, college dropout, uh, 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 808s and heartbreaks, bro. That's <laughs> insane, yo. Yeah, Those are all the albums that put him on the map. That's crazy. And he's not making one, one dime. He's not going to make any, any dime. So basically, I don't know, man. Kanye's fucked, bro. <laughs> I don't know what they saying. They fighting him on this shit. At least... I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know what he put himself in. Oh, one more detail about the De La Soul thing I forgot to mention. Uh, apparently, they have reached out to Jay-Z 
And Jay-Z reached out back to them and said, hey, do you want me to put it on title? Because if you're not making any money off of it, I won't put it on there. And apparently they said it was a really tough decision for them to make, but they told Jay not to put it up on title. And Jay said, I'm not going to put it up until you resolve your issue. Oh, I read that. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty fucking cool. But I don't know what the hell is going to happen with Kanye, man. How does that happen, Lou? How does someone that... We've been educated for so long about how record labels do you. Why would someone sign a deal like that, man? In the 2000s, bro. That's crazy. He must have been really desperate to make a name for himself. Because like you said, a lot of these cats, when they're signing contracts... They're either A, not sitting down with lawyers, or B, they're sitting down with shitty lawyers that are not really breaking it down like the way that breaking down the contracts and the paperwork that they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, because this yeah. is what happened with uh, Jadakiss Styles and Chic with Diddy. Remember when Diddy owned their publisher for a long ass time and they, they eventually settled an agreement out of it? But Oh, right, right. They got a lump sum or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so. But when they sat down and signed the contracts, they were young, man. They were they were like 19, 20. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they, they, they're seeing millions of dollars right there as advance money. And little did they know they were going to go on to have really long careers. But yet yeah. everything that they write, everything that they're putting out, Diddy's getting a, a cut of it. And it's like, you know, not to insult their intelligence, but it's like, you think you, they young and they know what publishing means and stuff like that and right. points on an album. They don't know what that shit is. It's like, yo, Diddy's giving me $500,000 to go rap with Biggie, the biggest artist on the planet right now. I'm out. Let's go get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's what it is. So in Kanye's situation, he was, you know, was grinding, uh, making, making, trying to make a name for himself as a producer first because I don't think he had intentions of becoming an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, first, so initially that was his thing. He wanted to just his thing was just you know wanting to make beats and, and, and be a producer. So mm-hmm. I guess when he signed that, I I don't know. He was young, dumb, and, young, dumb, and full of cum, as they say. Yeah, of course. Because uh, I, I that still baffles me though that he's not allowed to retire, so he has to continue recording writing and composing music for the rest of his life. Yeah, that's that's the thing, man. Like, you don't... He must have not read anything and just signed or whatever. Like, you know, was reading something and reading... Uh, signing something that says, I can't, I'm not allowed to retire? Like, that's insane, man. Nobody in their right mind would, would, would sign off for that, bro. That's not... That's not normal. Yeah, that's not normal. And... <laughs> Yo, the fact that he's stuck in this this legal battle now, we're, we're not gonna get any any new music from Kanye in a while. Yeah, man. I mean, <sighs> there's so much going. There's so much being revealed about what's what's really happening with that man. Like, you know, even like like a year or two ago, Jay revealed that he got Kanye out of debt. Like, there's a lot going. There's a lot of stupid business Kanye did, man. The guy was a fucking idiot. Like, it's crazy, man. I let, one of my favorite artists. You know, and like, you know, his his uh his creativity and his genius, you know, I guess like is only artistically because he signed some really bad deals, man. What's going on here, bro? Yo, I don't know, but I, I you know what, I do genuinely feel bad for him because yeah. this whole legal thing is is gonna come down to two things. Either he's not gonna win anything 
anything, and he's going to remain in that contract until the day he dies. Or they're going to reach some type of settlement where it's like EMI is going to end up taking like some astronomical number, like, oh, we're going to take 90% of your discography. Uh, they're gonna have to gonna give him some type of crazy astronomical figure, hundreds of millions of dollars that he's not gonna be able to get. And the only pissed off with Jay Z. I think only Jay Z got 140 million lying around him to, to, to give him to get out of this game. But uh, he fucked that up. So I don't know. I don't know, man. It's real bad for Kanye right now. Yeah, Hove is, is not having any anything to do with Kanye these days. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> people keep, people keep, uh, he, he try to, try to put out watch and throw him through for laughing at him. Like, imagine. Hey, <laughs> the whole fuck that up. It's crazy. Definitely not happening. Yeah, but seriously. It's sad, man. It's sad, man. Like, and I said, this is the actual thing. Another recent artist from our time. He dodged the bullet for us. You know, it's really, really sad. Sad, sad. Yeah, but at the very least, Lupe is at a stage where creatively he can do whatever he wants. And it reflects his yeah. music because his last couple of albums are very, very good. Yeah, heavy, heavy, Liverpool. You gotta listen to that song five times. Yeah. That's the reason why. Well, I, I heard he, I heard that. Remember that he offered the guy a million dollars for his laptop that he stole, and he got the laptop back, and he never paid the, the guy the million dollars, and then he took him to court. Well, what I read later on that happened was he found that the laptop didn't have any of the music he was looking for. Oh. So the dude, rumor has it, wiped that shit. <laughs> oh shit. So, I, I don't know, man. So, but Arles has not been doing anything for a long time and shit, but. Again, I got to credit him with being a pioneer with certain things. Like, yo, creating an app just so you could listen to my music, like, direct, like, all the money coming directly to me, that's fucking insane, man. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, if you <laughs> if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. Well, anyway, that includes our topic, man. This has been a great discussion, and we're going to have a lot more because we obviously have a lot more to talk about. <laughs> yeah, too much. Too much to talk about. And now that Anchor has stepped up the connection issues, you know, and they're on Spotify, and we got Warby Parker sending us glasses, 
you know, everything's going to sound better and crisper and it's going to be connected more. Yeah, that's right. I can record podcasts by wearing Warby Parker sunglasses at that. Wow. Those are great, man. They look great on you. I can see that all the way from New York. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> well, to all my listeners, please follow me at Let Me Just Say This podcast on Instagram. And also, yes, you can stream full audio, including this episode, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Overcast, CastBox, and all other streaming platforms. Jesus Christ. What else? We got anything else in there? Wow. Yeah. A lot of streaming services, brother. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I'm, yeah, well, you got to get the content out there somehow. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I hope you bring me on again. There's so much to cover. Uh, and I'm happy pe- more people, more platforms mean more people get to hear, you know, all the great shit that comes out of your brain and shit, man. I'm really, I'm really excited to get on again, get on the show again. I appreciate it, Carlos. Well, you be safe, and we'll link up in the future, man. Yes, sir. You have a good night, brother. All right, you too. Peace. Peace.